0: Hello and welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. My guest in this episode is none other than George Kouros, innovative teaching, learning, and leadership consultant, and also the author of the book, The Innovator's Mindset. Now, before he was touring the globe on the speaking circuit and helping schools bring the innovator's mindset to their students, we actually worked together in the same school division. I remember George's eternal optimism and vision for a better education system. I also remember his drive to live the principles that he now talks about in his book. In short, uh, it's something his nearly quarter of a million Twitter followers already know, and that's that he's an inspiring educator. And I think that almost everyone's going to be able to take away a lesson or two from our conversation. If you like what you're hearing connect with Intersection Education, you can go to our website, intersectioneducation.com, follow us on Twitter at IntersectionEd, or even on Facebook. We really appreciate it when you rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Here's my conversation with George Kuros. Hi, George Kouros. Thank you so much, and welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. How are you today? Good, man. How are you? I am great. Uh, let's get right into it. You know, we're uh, about to go into a big curriculum redesign and I know that there are people around the world and jurisdictions who are looking at this kind of same idea. And that's the idea that we're focusing on the integration of content as well as skills or ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So teachers are being asked to increase this big picture level of understanding and and they're really being pushed so that students students don't just learn about stuff, they learn what to do with Mm -hmm. stuff and be creative. I know that you talk a lot about the innovators mindset yeah. and and I'd like to know when you think about this change, the shift in the the focus of education, how do you think the innovators mindset fits into that?
1: Well I think basically Exactly what you said is the whole notion of the innovator's mindset. And I don't know um, if people are familiar with uh, the concept that are listening to this right now, um, but it's actually based on Carol Dweck's work. And I'm sure most are familiar with Carol Dweck's um, stuff, not only in education, but obviously all over the world Uh, talking about growth mindset, you know, and having that ability to. Uh, you know the the thought process that I can you know learn new things and develop and and how important it is to have that belief. And so what what I've done is actually I've taken it a step further, and I think it is tying to what we've been seeing in education and what we're seeing is really crucial. Not again, not only in education but the outside of the world is not only knowing as you said, but actually what do you do with the knowledge that you have? And when we when I talk about the three mindsets, I think that um, the easiest connection i make is you know playing the piano and so when i talk about playing the piano fixed mindset i will never be able to learn to play growth mindset you know with hard work time effort i can learn but innovators mindset i will not only learn to play but i will be able to compose and create music and that's what we want people to actually do and i think that when you have that understanding the thing that i always say is i don't want kids just to be good at math i want kids to be able to do something with the math they've learned and what are they actually creating with this And you and McIntosh talks about the notion of problem finders, not only problem solvers and how important that is. And I think when you're talking about a curriculum redesign, we have forever asked kids to solve problems. They have no interest in solving. And how innovative, how creative do you see kids being that, as opposed to helping kids find those problems that are meaningful to them, and then having giving them time to, to you know to to figure out new solutions? I think it's a really great direction that's going in.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think you've got something to to give there. Now, uh, you know meaningful learning experiences is, is something that I know you advocate for, mm-hmm. but, but there are times when people can bring that too far. And, and what I mean by that is they're looking for engagement and they're really focused on engagement mm-hmm. and engagement and engagement. And, and in uh, a friend of ours and uh, a guest on our podcast said, Jesse McLean, engagement's not enough. They've kind of forget about that Learning piece, mm-hmm. what do you say to people who maybe get too jumped up and and it's great they're getting you know excited about it? Um, how do you kind of call them back to just hey, remember that there's learning involved in this as well in and in relationship with engagement
1: yeah, and so when we talk about engagement, I think the, the, sh- the shift is for me is that engagement is more about what I can do for the students. But when we talk about the notion of empowerment, which is taken to another level, it's what, what can the student actually do for themselves? And not only is that something that's beneficial, obvious in learning, but you know, all aspects of life that we want people to take ownership uh, of what they're creating, of what they're doing. And the thing that I say to tr- try to make the connection, because A lot of times when I talk about this, people hear that it's an either or scenario that, you know, the kid is either engaged or empowered. And why is engagement not important anymore? And, and the way that I see it is that I I talk about the idea of engagement that a kid can be engaged, but they're not necessarily empowered. But if they're empowered, I guarantee they're engaged. It takes it to a whole different level. And as you said, it's really kind of finding that meaningful learning, you know, for, for what they're doing now. That all being said, I think it's really important to understand that there are times where kids aren't going to feel empowered. There's kids where you're going to have to grind and do things that maybe they don't like. And I don't think that's the worst thing ever because I think if we tied everything into the passions of our kids, some kids would play with Legos 100% of the time and do nothing else. And any time that anything got hard for them, they would just you know give up. And so compliance is not always the worst thing and we have compliance you know how we do our taxes every year is based on how we are told we have to do our taxes i always say like the irs is not going to ever say to me like hey that was a really sweet powerpoint <laughs> that you did right they they want it done exactly the way that they want it done but i think that we just have to look for a lot of opportunities for empowered learning where kids have ownership and for me if a student walks out of your classroom and they need you to learn You haven't done your job that you need to really get them to figure out how do they learn without the teacher? How do they actually learn on their own? How do they actually go deeper um, than, than what is actually going on in the classroom? I think that's really the key of what we're trying to do with our students. Yeah and bring
0: forward the learning and then the engagement you know one of the things that I really appreciate about you is yeah you know you're talking to people all over but you've got this lived experience of being an actual leader in a school Mm. and and you've been there Um, when I look at your key messages I kind of look at you know you talk about creating relationships you talk about empowering teachers you talk about Mm -hmm. this idea of a creative leader these are my words and, and kind of riffing on your idea and that idea of communication I'm interested to know because you talk to so many people is there one One of those big things that you see leaders of schools struggling with more than others. So when you're talking with school leaders out there, of those kind of big, big messages, what do do you see people kind of struggling with the most?
1: I, I think for me, and, and you know, of all the things he said, obviously the most important one for me is relationships and okay. how crucial that is. Now, I'm not saying people actually struggle with that, um, but I, I'm sure you know him too, David Pesek. I don't that's know, bad. he was he's incredible. Hired me. That was oh my wow, first wow, job. <laughs> yeah. And and I remember I was actually refing a basketball game, and he didn't know me from a hole in the ground at the time. And I remember just kind of getting a conversation with him, and he said, "A teacher that's." great with relationships and bad with curriculum will last a lot longer than someone who's the opposite and it wasn't that he was saying curriculum is not important at all but he was saying how important the relationship piece was and how crucial that was that it's it's actually a lot easier to teach teachers how to teach and actually understand the curriculum but it's not the easiest thing if we're not good at relationships is because you know there's just some personalities that don't mesh with that now that all being said, because i'm I've always focused on the importance of relationships. I think what people are struggling with is when we look at accountability and people that are outside of you know everyday school uh practice. They're looking for accountability through sheer numbers. And I think that what's getting lost is that a lot of schools are really talking about the notion of becoming data-driven. And what a lot of teachers are here is that we don't really care about the kid. We care about the score. And I think that's not why teachers got into the profession. And I really challenge that. Now, I'm not saying don't use data. That's And people always get mixed up with that. It's not what I'm saying at all, but what I'm saying is that we need to really look at evidence more so. And evidence is not always uh, quantifiable. It's not always in numbers, but it's, you know, interactions that we have with our kids, you know, how they do in sporting events or extracurricular activities that are really crucial to our development and using that evidence and form to or being evidence informed to actually really develop whole learners and uh brad Gusson actually just published a book um he just published a book with myself uh my company impress and it's called reclaimer calling it's fantastic and he he, he said he puts that it's not that scores aren't important but they're re- we have to really focus that the rest of the child is more so and i think that's one of the things that people administrators have to deal with is having people outside of education looking solely at the numbers and but not being driven by solely getting numbers and losing kids along the way. Cause I think that's happening. That a lot of kids that yeah they can get the number but they can't actually think. They know how to fill in the box and and do exactly what they're told, but they can't actually figure something out on their own. They just they know how to to play the game of school.
0: I'm thinking about about what you said there. And do you think that it's, you know, relationships are personal? It's, it's a little mm-hmm. bit about who you are. And, and we've had, you know, I've had guests and I've talked to people about how, thinking about how education and learning is, is relational. Mm-hmm. But that's really tough for someone looking from the exterior to just kind of quickly evaluate. Are you good? Are you bad? All that kind of stuff. It also relates to, who you are as a person, mm-hmm. right? If you're introverted or if you're extroverted or if you got your own hangups or if you're going trauma, kind uh, of any tips for, for navigating that. I mean, like you're, you're coming in with this, this huge amount of different personalities and, and, you know, working with teachers who might have their own issues that they need to deal with before they can work on those relationships Maybe even leaderships, the <laughs> leaders yeah, that are working absolutely. on their own stuff. Any anything that you've seen to kind of help that out? Or is it just be be real, be positive and and really be talking that through?
1: Well, I, I think that leadership is servant, right? It's all about yeah. other people. And I think that you can see someone who's, you know, very charismatic and, you know, just gets along with people. But that doesn't mean they're really good at relationships because sometimes it's more about them and getting the attention and all those other things where really it doesn't matter who you are, really focusing on the person in front of you, the person that you're supporting and understanding them and developing them. And this is something that's really important, you know, for teachers too, right? Like I was, and I'm being totally honest, when I first started teaching, my whole mentality was, you're gonna learn the way I teach. And, you know, because it's kind of how, we were brought up in many cases, but really the way that we need to look at it is like, how do, we, how do the kids learn and, and, and teach to adjust? And that's why it's so important to connect. And so I think for me, just kind of working with leaders that maybe struggle with relationships, really helping them focus on getting to know the people they serve. That's really important to me and I think that as long as long as someone has the willingness to do that I think then they'll be fine and it doesn't mean you have to be like like I said a very charismatic Leader, I've seen, you know, lots of really quiet, introverted leaders do just amazing things and they don't speak. And I'm sure you know this, too, because we've worked in many of the same circles that some people don't say very much. But when they do, it holds weight because they pick and choose their times where some people talk all the time and they almost like they have nothing to say. And you've seen both. And I think that we have to kind of recognize there's there's different personalities. But what's kind of a non-negotiable to me is that you do need to know the people you're serving.
0: Yeah, I totally agree
1: um i'm interested
0: in your response to this next one and uh, you leverage technology as a learning tool more mm-hmm. than more than anyone i i've ever seen and you do it incredibly effectively but we also have this growing body of research that's kind of really making us think about mindful use of technology yep. and i'm not saying that they're that that one or the other, but I'm interested to know what are some of the ways that your use of technology or your ideas around that have evolved through the years mm-hmm. with some of those things that we're thinking about in terms of mindful use of technology and maybe the effect of that, especially for youth.
1: Yeah. And it's actually kind of interesting because um when I first started, man, I don't even think you know this. I was very anti-technology <laughs> and, and it probably is surprising, you know, cause I, I don't think we knew each other at that time. And, And a lot of the pushback and a lot of the research is, I just, I didn't understand it. Like I, it wasn't, I was like, oh, the research says it just from just looking at what I was seeing with our students, we were dumping kids off in computer labs. They were getting these programs, whether it was like something as simple as keyboarding, you know, and a lot of teachers, like, remember, I'm sure you remember when like you were like told how to type and yeah. it, it and all that other stuff. But then I saw teachers like dumping kids in computer labs, doing marking and the, the kid would just focus on the computer. And so I really struggled with it because I actually saw that there is, there is power in technology, but there is a disconnect from us as human beings. But then I started getting some pushback kind of on that stance of how I felt about technology from luckily my brother who's an educator and, and trying to see things differently. And the way that I see technology as being really beneficial and the way that I try to use it is meant to, to build relationships, not to replace them. And you see this actually it's happening, you know, and I don't think it's a positive and it's the same thing that I was talking about. What I saw years ago is that you hear people talk about the notion of personalized learning, But for many schools, when they talk about personalized learning, you see these kids going into or, you know, working with an iPad or whatever. And there's some type of program that someone else has made that figures out the kid based on whatever factors, you know, the kid is inputting into the program. And then it tailors everything to the child. And it's you can see it's replacing the teacher in many cases that, you know, the teacher is not necessarily going to be needed if we continue down that path. And I think it's all based on not the student interest, but you know, it's based on the curriculum. And even though people call it personalized, I call it dehumanized learning. So one of the school districts that I worked with, uh, Del Mar in San Diego, they actually talked about the personalization of learning and how important that was. And so when we talk about the personalization of learning as opposed to personalized learning, they were talking about knowing your students actually building on their strengths and And, and really developing and like the analogy that I give all the time is that I hated reading as a kid, but I was continuously forced to read books I despise. So of course I'm going to walk out hating reading. But if you knew anything about me, I would have read books on sports all day. I would have read books, nonfiction books all day. I had no interest in novels. I still don't. And I know people are going to, you know, shriek when they hear that. But, you know, every one of us has different experiences that build us as people. A lot of people didn't play sports and they didn't lose out maybe on that or, you know, they chose something else that they benefited from and I benefited from that. So when I look at how we use technology, It's not the the computer or, you know, an iPad as the centerpiece of what we're doing. It's actually having those conversations and having this similar to like a pencil that, you know, you have a great idea and I would write it down, but maybe now I'm tweeting it or blogging it and having seeing collaboration is not simply something that you and I do face to face, but it can be something you and I do face to face. It's something that can be synchronous, asynchronous, can be across the world And for me, if technology does not deepen learning and more importantly, build relationships, I actually want no piece of it. And so that's one of the things I focus on. And a lot of people see me as this tech person and I actually despise that. It really, really bothers me because I'm really a learning person and I just don't I don't see technology as this big thing because I don't spend a lot of time. You know, learning learning, and, you know, going to workshops. is just stuff I develop and, and figure out on my own. But, you know, taking the time to write a blog post and sitting there really deeply thinking about the work that I'm doing is a powerful practice, whether it's on a computer or it's on a notebook. It's just... That for me, when I do it and I get feedback from people around the world, it actually deepens the conversation and deepens the thinking for me because, you know, that's that's one of the things that's really beneficial. So I think really using my focus when I talk to groups around the world is relationships and learning. And can, if technology enhances those things, people don't disagree with me. But if you focus solely on technology, you're going to have a fight the entire time. Because yeah. who's going to argue with relationships and learning? Well, wow, that's exactly uh, Not right. in education. And if they are, I, we have bigger issues. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Maybe shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little more
0: general. Mm-hmm. Is there something about learning or education that you believe is true that uh, you think most people or at least a large percentage of people would disagree with you about?
1: Oh, gee, that's a tough question. Um, I, I I don't know if I can give you one solid thing because I... I pride myself on not being an absolutist, and I think that's really important to me. I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, Corey. You've seen people go in and like demonize worksheets and you know lectures, horrible. And I, I don't like. My wife's a teacher. She's incredible, and she used to do some worksheets in her class. She didn't do them all the time. She did them once in a while, and and we would talk about it. And she said, you know, sometimes some of her kids just need to know how to fill in a blank. Like literally they need some of that structure. It's not something that I want them doing all the time, but it's not the worst thing to, you know, just have this. And and she worked with, you know, different community than maybe some other communities listening to here. And and some of these kids that she worked with, they absolutely needed structure. They were not necessarily getting it at home. And it's always funny because, you know, people see me as someone who thinks really um down the road of what education should look like. But then I'm like, oh, so this guy's lecturing and he's telling us to think differently. I'm like, no, I don't, no one in this room has ever said lecture is bad. I think it's really powerful. I think the way we do it is important. I think there is a skill set, and I always distinguish that. There's a difference between a speaker and a teacher. They're not necessarily the same thing. But I think, I think where I don't necessarily where maybe people disagree with me is that you have camps that are on polar opposite sides that believe there is you know it's all about consumption of information it's all about teaching it's standing in front you know that that's the best way and they look at this but then you have the other side where it's all about kids finding their own way it's a hundred percent consumption or sorry creation And developing that. And that's where I think there is a disconnect because I think there's so much value in the ideas being meshed to one another because like I've written a book and it's done well and connect a lot of people but the only reason I have the ability to write the book is because I read and connect with so many people so the content for me was so crucial to actually be able to create something I don't think I could actually just out of nowhere just get all these miraculous ideas without you know totally filling my head with information and connecting with other people so how is that you know I think that's where I'm seeing the struggle is that it's almost like we're Picking a side where the the best answers I believe are somewhere in the middle
0: that's a great one, and I think yeah. that there would be some people that would push back in because they've picked their camp yep, and and you're saying
1: we should right. and able a, lot to of, a lot of people that adamantly disagree with me, I think is fascinating because I actually agree with a lot what they're saying, but they don't hear my agreement right because they believe I'm on one side that's, that's right. Amazing. When
0: you think of the people with whom you've had your most powerful learning experiences. Yeah. So that might have been a teacher, but it might be just anyone. Yeah. What was it about that person or what was it about that situation that made the learning kind of happen and powerful <laughs> and, and made the longevity of that of that learning?
1: Well, you and I have some uh, people that I've connected with um, and um, Archie Lilico is uh, someone I worked with. He was was a principal and I was assistant principal. And uh, Cheryl Johnson, she was assistant principal and I was principal and we worked together. And what I think was really powerful about learning with both of them is that we sometimes adamantly disagreed about things. And you and I talked about this before. We adamantly disagreed, but we were both always on the same page of what like to we need to figure out the best solution to help our kids and we got to find that kind of middle ground that space and I think why that was important to me that we had that debate is because it was never a personal thing it was always about um learning and focusing on kids and so we could you know go at it and then walk away and be fine and and it's actually interesting um my experience with archie uh, when i f- interviewed uh, to work with him as his assistant principal we actually got in a massive fight in the interview. And it was like, and I'm, and you know Archie well enough that that probably does not surprise you at all. It doesn't surprise yeah. me.
0: But for most people, they would probably think that if you got into a fight with your potential future right, principal, right. that would be a bad
1: thing. Right, and I actually, I remember calling my mentor and I'm like, I that was the worst interview I've ever done. Like I literally fought with the guy. And he, and then he called me And he said, hey, I'd like to offer you the job. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that was terrible. He said, you're the only person who actually disagreed with me. And what's important to me is that you never, I don't want to work with someone who will let me go out and make the wrong decision because they just want to agree with me because they want to keep their job. That they will do what they believe is right. And that really shifted so much for me, not only in that job, but how I looked at things moving forward. And I think that, you know, challenge challenge is something that's really critical as long as we, we are focused on serving our people, serving our learners, serving our students, serving our teachers. And I think that's, and that was something I learned from Archie because that was not something that I was used to. That was not something you just agreed with your boss and that was it. Yeah. Right. And so I think it was powerful and it was it was great and i i really appreciate that relationship and that's i look to hire people that disagreed with me on things because i wanted to i always say this to people it's not about your idea or it's not about my idea it's about the best idea and i don't care where it comes from and that's really important to me
0: do you have a favorite failure or a favorite success that helped you learn an important lesson something you think back on that you lived through and say okay yeah that I, i got a lot out of that even though at the point you might even maybe it was successful, but it might not also been so great. It might've been maybe a failure.
1: Yeah. I think for me, um, I I think that a lot of the work that I do today, I couldn't really envision. And I actually, um, really didn't even want to go into administration. That was not something that was really important to me or I saw that I would ever, um, do like, you know, I didn't want to do that job. Right. Like you see that principle, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to do those things. And I think that wanting to go in totally a different direction and not getting some of the jobs that i thought I would you know would be good at and thought I would sell at kind of led me to a certain place. And actually, um I remember really having a rough go as a teacher um, several years ago and really wanting to quit and just kind of had. You know, I was about to resign and just luckily got a job offered to me in a different district, the one that you work in right now, Parkland School Division, under an incredible uh, principal, Kelly Wilkins. She's retired now. She was best leader I've ever had by far. It's just absolutely incredible. And I remember um, going into that space where I was like, okay, like I hate teaching. Let's see how this goes. I'm going to give it one year. But really saying to myself that, Maybe it was it was my fault. I wasn't getting the jobs. Maybe it was something I wasn't doing as opposed to always externally blaming someone else. And so when I came to work for Kelly, I said, "No one knows me. No one, I have no history with anybody." I'm going to recreate myself and I'm never going to struggle to get a job ever again. And so that was really my focus. And, and yeah, I came in and had a totally different attitude, but it was before that. I think it was like, Oh, this isn't working because that principal, this isn't working because of that superintendent or that colleague and really trying to say like, what am I – okay, what what can I do better? What can I do? And, like, that's something I think is really crucial for leadership. You know, when someone says, oh, like, I can't get our teachers on board. I'm like, well, that's part of your job, mm-hmm. right? It's not because – maybe it's not because they're bad teachers. Maybe they're not the best leader. And so maybe we need to look at what you are doing to get them excited. Or maybe you're in the wrong path. But you need to figure that out because you can't control – what other people do, you can only control what you do to put them in the best situation, and so really trying to rethink and, and take ownership over our own pathway.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the whole idea of extreme ownership. Yeah, been uh listening to a little Jocko Willinkley, yeah, and he's, absolutely, uh, he's loving that. But uh, yeah, he talks about many of the same things, but I, I agree, he, he's not the only one. Okay, a couple quick hitters do you have a favorite app, website, or other media? Uh, I would, I would
1: think that you're going to say Twitter right away, but
0: perhaps, you know, we'll go with Twitter. And then is there anything else? Like something you say, Hey, check this out.
1: Okay. So this is like, this is actually when you say my favorite app, like Twitter, I like, and I I would actually, if you said to me, you need to pick between Twitter and your blog, I'd pick my blog every day. Yeah, I I do. And I love connecting with other people on education, but I think that. If if anyone's ever seen me speak, there is nothing I ever have spoke about in public that I haven't blogged about first because for me, what's really important is to break down the idea, think about that anyone in the world can see it, so I better have all the parts together and I need to figure this out. I actually need to think about who's gonna challenge this and why they're gonna challenge it and debunk the challenge before I even press publish. So I think that's one that's really important to me. Now, the one that will surprise you and it's something that's it's really important to me is actually, um, aptive. Hmm. It is a physical edge, or it's, it's like a, it's an exercise app.
0: Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. George. <laughs> and, it,
1: and, and, uh, I, um, I started using it about a year ago, and it's really interesting. It's like a coach in your ear. And so cool. it's basically like if I'm running, it tells me what to do. And I just, yeah, it's. I've actually really improved my health in the last um, year. And I think it's, you know, I, I lost a lot of my health because I travel so much. And, you know, there's not much open at 2 a.m. when you land somewhere except for like 7-Eleven. And I don't want to eat. I hate fruit and vegetables as it is. And I don't want to eat them from 7-Eleven. And so you tend to eat the worst things ever. And, yeah, it's actually been... Um, something that I see is really life-changing and really helped me discipline. And it's, it's, I love it. It's one of my, like, I know it's not an education lab, but I think for me, um, to, to do well at what I do, I've really started focusing on the importance of my mental and physical health that I can't excel if I, you know, can barely get out of bed or I'm exhausted all the time. So yeah, it's, I love it. A-A-P-T-I-V. I get no money from that. I just love it.
0: Funny story. The very, very first time I met you yeah. was not in an educational context. Well, it kind of was. But I think you were reffing a basketball <laughs> game. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, that and right. so I knew you as a basketball yeah. person. I knew yeah. your teacher as well. But uh, I agree with you, too. I've had a lot of really great success with the kind of coaching your ear thing. Yeah. Around yeah. One, so that's really cool. Um, I'll say this with a caveat. Do you have a favorite book that you quote, refer to, have marked up or gift the most that you haven't written (laughs) and so we'll give a little (laughs) shout out to innovators mindset right here but uh, is there another one that you you kind of think when you you give away or you kind of quote a lot
1: um okay so none of them are education books that's okay and the the probably drive by dan pink is one of my favorite books it really made me think differently about um motivation and rewards and awards and what that does to people, and more importantly, obviously, what it does to students. Anything uh, Stephen Covey-related is really powerful to me. I was actually lucky enough that when I was in Parkland School of Vision, I was actually one of the trainers for um, the Covey work, and it really shifted a lot of my thinking. The book that actually – I can't believe I never read this. I think it was written in like something like 1930. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's one of my favorite books, and I actually maybe read it like a year ago, and it was just, I can't believe how old that book is and how relevant it is at the same time. And one of the things that I really, um, when we work with authors um, writing books, we really say, you need to write a book that in 30 years will still be relevant. Don't, if you're so focused on technology, if you're so focused on apps, they're going to be gone. And so, really, you can have some of those things, but you definitely don't want to write like the the. You don't want to write the MySpace book, of course, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, because that's gone, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, I think that when you and you, I think that for me, when you can write something, when someone writes something that is relevant for so many years, that's a pretty incredible accomplishment, and and it actually like it, I think that really helps people. You know really look at their work when i give them that advice like yeah is this something is this like just a trend i'm jumping on right now is this something that's going to be true you know 30 50 100 years from now yeah so that is one of my favorite books
0: uh, now you, you mentioned active, but yeah. I wonder, and, and the question that I was asked is, yeah. uh, what's one thing that you do every day or most days that keeps you well and healthy? And you've, you've kind of talked yeah. about that physical yeah. movement yeah. and you've talked a little about, but do you have anything else to add that, you're, or maybe you just want to
1: talk more about that kind of what you're doing to keep well and healthy? Um, for me, I exercise every single morning before that's I do anything that's, um, and it's actually interesting because, uh. I think years, like when I first started using Twitter, I was like super into it. And I think people get like addicted, obviously at the beginning, you know, it's like such a, like whatever endorphin rush or whatever Mm -hmm. that people just get caught up in it. And I would actually, um, say like, Hey, I'm just going to look at Twitter for like five minutes and then I'm going to go work out. Right. And then two hours later, like I missed my whole workout. I'm still, you know, I'm fighting with someone online. And so it's not and it's like I'm mad, you know, and so for me, I will not actually look at my phone until I am done my workout every morning. That's a great one. So that's really important to me. And sometimes like someone sends you like a nasty email at night and then you if you read it first thing in the morning, it will totally wreck your day. But if I had my workout, I'll be fine. <laughs> and so, but if I don't have my workout, like I totally, cause I know, like I've run, I've run marathons in the past, like long, long time ago. And, um, physical exercise is extremely mental, obviously. Oh gosh, yeah. And that for me is, it, they are so tied to one another because if mentally I'm struggling, I tend to struggle physically. But if physically I'm struggling, I tend to struggle mentally. And so I think that's one thing that I do. I, um, I always read other people's blogs every day. So I usually take about 30 minutes to an hour to read other and education specific. And for me, you know, especially because I'm not in the classroom all the time and people are like, oh, like you're not in the classroom anymore. You don't really understand education. I don't think that is as true as it once was because we didn't have access to teachers sharing what they were doing specifically in the classroom. So you can, it's, it's, I'm not going to ever say that, you know, reading a teacher's blog about the classroom is anywhere the same as actually teaching every single day, but it does give me a way better sense of like what is happening in schools around the world from teachers. And so probably um, 30 minutes to an hour every single day, I carve out time and because I have such a large network, if I think something's good and I don't care if you have 1 follower, 0 followers, a million followers, I'm going to share it with other people and I want I try to use my platform to support other people um to get their voice out there because you know I've been so blessed to have people follow and connect with me and I want to use that to help other people get their voice out there that might not have access to that cuz so because at the end of the day like I said it's it's really about getting great ideas out there not my ideas.
0: This can be kind of recently, but it yeah. can even be long term. Is there an organization or a person that really inspires you?
1: Um, I, you know I've been really blessed that I have um, a brother who's in education and uh, he pushes a lot of my thinking and i he he I'm telling you if you want unfiltered feedback ask your brother right because <laughs> he doesn't care about my feelings sometimes he'll yeah. just tell me straight up there's no there's no compliment sandwich where he's like working his yeah, way yeah, to yeah. say the nice <laughs> thing um but very efficient as well yeah just straight to the meat yeah. yeah and it's actually but for me like um i'm the youngest of uh i have two brothers and a sister and they we do not none of us think alike and for me as the youngest what i really learned as a kid was um, first of all don't argue with people that aren't willing to move on their position yeah. it's it's kind of a waste of, of breath sometimes because my brothers would fight and i'm like i I'm like, there neither one of them is budging i'm not getting involved in this but sitting back and listening to them because they don't always think the same. I've learned so much from both of my brothers and, and my sister. I, my sister is uh, significantly older than me. So I didn't have much time with her, you know um, you know, as like an adult as I did my, my older brothers. But um, for me, like I said earlier, I really struggle saying, well, this one person, <laughs> like the one person I can say easily is Kelly Wilkins. Um, she had a massive influence on me. I, probably reference her every single day just something you know she was like she, she was like yoda in a way <laughs> that she could get it. me to do things and i'm like i don't understand why i'm doing this but somehow kelly got me to do it yeah. you know and she was just so good like she was just yeah. incredible and it was like not only did you do things for her it you did them with so much enthusiasm um but And she was so relationship focused, and you know, one of the things that I actually, she was always my boss. So she was always, whatever position I was in, she was always my boss, right? (laughs) And one thing that I learned was that you never can get in trouble if you always tell people first how you screwed up, because they're not like, yeah, that's that's yeah, you did screw up that way. If you take ownership for it, she never was boss. I screwed up all the time. And I would always like, oh Kelly, like I did this. And she would work me through it. Right. But I like I something that was something important to me is that I always communicated with the people that I worked with, like, hey, this is something, you know, here's a screw up, here's and they were always good about it, never rubbed my face in it. And she was so incredible with that. But again, um, just just I think what inspires me every day is just connecting with teachers all over the world um, sharing stuff that they're doing and they just really inspire me and in seeing how they um, interact and what they do with students. I think uh, I, I can't necessarily point to like this one person, but I just think we're in such a really powerful time that we can just learn from anyone. If you're just willing to be open to it. And I, I struggle um, I struggle when people call themselves experts on anything. Cause I'm like, did you go to expert school? Like where, how did you get that designation? For me, I am a voracious learner and I think that there's so much we can learn from people that are sharing stuff. And I think just if you're willing to listen, um, you can just, it can really shift a lot of what you do every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm really interested to know what, what are some of your next projects? What are some of the questions you're looking at answering? What are some of the problems you're looking at tackling? Maybe, um, uh, there's another book on the way. Who knows?
1: Yeah, um, I think for me, that's something that I actually really struggle with is I don't want to be the person that writes a book because I haven't written a book in a while. Yeah, And I think that um, I really shared basically my heart every, you know, like so much of my experience in my last book that I would be right now just writing a book for the sake of writing a book, not because it's something that really compelled me. And I think that that for me is is a real struggle. And I've written about this several times that my focus isn't on necessarily the next thing. It's actually going deeper in the work that I'm doing right now. So there is, um, I am thinking about writing um, another book connected to the innovator's mindset, but very much more teacher connected, not um, the, the, innovators mindset, although it applies to teachers, obviously it's, it's probably more, um, there's a lot of leadership stuff. And like when I talk about leadership, cause I think I struggle with teachers saying, Oh, like this is more of a leadership book. And I'm like, well, yeah, cause you're a leader, right. In your role, you have influence over your colleagues and how you think about what you do. You're an in, you're a leader in your classroom. And so I think that's something that I really try to get people to understand. But I think for me, my big thing right now is how do I actually um, use the platform that I'm really blessed to have to just help other educators get their message out there and so that's um, one of the reasons um that I started the company with my wife and uh, Dave and Shelley Burgess we started Impress Publishing and what is kind of unique about um, our model is that we have two edit- we have two editors. we have like a traditional grammar editor you know that does the stuff that I have no clue on how to do, <laughs> and I would never pick up right yeah, and, did and you get has that to Thomas fix yeah yeah exactly, but then um, my wife and I actually a- act as the education editor, and so we challenge some of the ideas so we only publish probably four maximum six books a year. Because every single one of the authors, we actually go through them on the journey while they're writing the book to kind of like challenge some of the ideas and, and get them to think differently about some of the stuff that they're writing. Because we always say it's, really, it's, it's much better to get the pushback on the book before it's published than after. Right. Cause a book is a book, right. And it's, you know, it's on the pages and it's there and you can't like, if I write something stupid on a blog, I could go back and edit it and change it immediately. Now it's probably wouldn't be the best practice, but I can still do it, you know, and especially like I've had mistakes in my blog, blah, 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 but a book once mistakes there, it's there. So I think that for me is something that I'm really trying to do is, uh, trying to really help other educators, um, get their work out there um but really mentor them and get them to think you know um to really challenge them through that process not just get them to write a book so we can publish it and make money it's really how do we get their voice out there and and for me um the the analogy is when i work with educators i I say to them i want you to write your tombstone book like Mm -hmm. i wrote on my tombstone i can say i wrote this book this is my life's work and that's what we're trying to get people to do
0: it's great. Yeah, uh, I'm excited not only for for that work, getting deeper into the innovator's mindset, but I'm yeah. also excited to see to see some of the books that you guys are, yeah. are helping get out there. So that's really exciting. Um, how how might people connect with you? What's the best way to want to follow you? Maybe you want to give them the address to your blog and uh, maybe a Twitter handle or you know
1: anything like yeah, that. Yeah, um, GeorgeCrow.ca is is uh where my work is so um that's basically anything that i do is somehow connected to that space um twitter obviously you can connect with me at g cross and uh you know i'm in some other spaces but like what i think is really power if you want to find me google my name and um that's something i've really worked with educators is you know that um someone's going to create your footprint for you or you can do it yourself Mm -hmm. but it's going to be out there and so really helping educators um make their own way uh, and create that footprint so they can be found and connect. And one of the things that I've really appreciated kind of about my journey is that I've never set out to brand myself or do anything. I've just wanted to share my learning openly. And because of some of the stuff I do, opportunities have hit me on the head that I never um, thought would existed. And I think that kind of goes back to my attitude shift on I'm never going to look for a job. I'm never going to struggle for a job ever again. I'm going to do everything I can to put myself in positions where I get opportunities. But what, one of my things I'm trying to do with our students, I think is really crucial is that um, they aren't necessarily um, going out and looking for jobs, that jobs are finding them. And if they do, if they, you know, put their name out there and do incredible work, you can't just put your name out there, right? Like you actually have to do work and it has to be high quality work. I think um, that's a real big shift for people because we're not preparing kids to to apply for jobs. We're preparing kids to create them and, and have, you know, opportunities thrust upon them. That's, that's the ultimate for me. You
0: bet. Well, it's really inspiring stuff you're doing, George. I want to thank you so Thanks, much for, uh, for talking to me. It's good to catch yep. up again. Thanks. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Intersection Education Podcast. Before you go, I'd like to recognize that the land where this interview took place is a sacred place that has a long history of human existence. This land has helped people like the Cree, Salto, Nisitapi or Blackfoot, Métis and Nakota Sioux live well for thousands of years. Let us continue to live well and respect this land.